This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology show. Your host, Meryl Vandermerva, loves using technology to streamline her life and to make lessons more engaging. She is a graduated homeschool mom and teaches homeschoolers at her local co-op classes and online at fundafundaacademy.com. Whether you are tech-challenged or someone who loves technology, this show is for you. And here's your host, Meryl Vandermerva. Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology podcast. I'm your host, Meryl Vandermover. And today, in episode 248, we're going to look at learning tech skills with passion-led projects. When I first started homeschooling, uh, the homeschool group that I joined, the leader shared a story with me. Her son had hated writing, really hated it, and it was just an uphill battle. But he loved everything to do with tech and computers. And she had a brainwave. She decided instead of fighting with him to do his writing every week, she just suggested to him that he started a website and did reviews of the tech products that he loved. He thought it was a great idea and he actually developed an entire business out of it as he got into high school years and he had companies sending him products to review. Now, I know that's the opposite um, of what we're looking at. We're looking at learning tech skills for the passion-led projects, whereas here you find that for him, tech was the passion, and she managed to sneak in the writing there. But it's the same idea. We can often teach our children skills that they need, whether they want to learn them or not, by coupling them to things that they are passionate about. And so today, I'm going to be talking about taking those things that your child just loves and using those as a vehicle to teach them tech skills. So before we even start about the te- talking about the tech, I just want to pause a moment and say, are you leaving time for interests, for specific interests of your children? This is the beauty of homeschooling. We have time. They, we don't have to, you know, go to um, all, you know, so like schools where they're busy with lots of different activities that the students have to do that might not be of interest to them or any use to them. We don't have a large class with 30 children to worry about. It's just you and however many children you have, and you can let them go down rabbit trails. You can let them explore those things that interest them because you aren't teaching two tests and there are no benchmarks that you have to hit. Yes, I I know that by the time they get to high school, you know, you want them to Uh, be able to finish high school and then move on to either a career or to college. And, you know, we we can't just entirely do our own thing, but we still have a lot of room for doing the fun stuff that they can't always do in schools. Now, um, you know, obviously when they're younger, you know, you'll be doing something you'll be doing history or science or something and your child will suddenly develop an interest in dinosaurs or maybe it's not even part of school just maybe they take a book out the public library or see something on tv and that gets them really interested as they're getting older we often forget to leave time for that and you know they do need specific credits for high school and too often i see homeschool parents focusing on all those credits that they need the state requirements maybe umbrella school requirements the requirements from the college that they plan to go to. And these are all obviously important. You need to make sure you've got all those things covered, but there's still plenty of time. And I would suggest you have at least one elective every year that is something your child wants to do, not something that's required by anyone. And that this is going to be the equivalent for the high schooler. So 
their passion-led project can literally be something that you turn into a half or full credits elective. So when I'm going to be talking to you now, I'm going to be talking to you about integrating the tech with their projects. Uh, so something that they're interested in, that they're spending time learning about anyway, and I'm going to give you various ideas on using technology as part of this. If you feel very overwhelmed and you have never heard of most of the tech I'm talking about, and you don't know where to start, if you're dealing with a child who's in middle or high school, Show Sponsor Funder Funder Academy has a computer applications class in which I, I actually teach it. I teach, I think, everything I'm going to mention today and more. And we have two versions. We have one that runs through the school year that we grade and we have another one that is self-paced and you can start anytime you want and parents grade we give you all the information you need so the link to that's going to be in the show notes and also to all the different tech that i mentioned and you will also find that most of the things i'm going to be talking about today i have episodes on already so you can just go back and look and find those to learn more about anything that sounds cool to you First of all, as your child is investigating, you know, so, you know, you discover that they love dinosaurs and you say, hey, why don't you actually do a whole project on dinosaurs? And you set aside a certain amount of time, you know, in your school day or maybe they do it in the afternoon, whatever you're going to be doing. These are various different tools that I was thinking of that you could use to teach them about tech, which they're going to need to use these tools if they, you know, once they're in the workplace. and. At the same time, they will be doing what they love. So first thing is online research. So if they're wanting to learn about something, sure, go to the library, take out physical books, maybe you buy a book or two. But you also need to teach them how to actually do good online research. So you can say, you know, for instance, okay, let's do a project on dinosaurs and let's find out all about if they've got a favorite dinosaur or you're going to do many dinosaurs, however you decide to do it. And we'll look more about what that completed project could look like in a second. But you need to help them understand that a website from a, another student who's also just done a fun project is not a credible source. You need to show them how to determine what is useful online and what is not. Because there are a lot of so-called experts out there, but you want to find museum websites. You want to find ones with a .edu, um, a college website, a government website, there are, you know, the Smithsonian, you know, there are places like this that we know they're much more likely to find good information and you want to make sure that they understand the difference. Secondly, they may need to collect data. Maybe they are wondering how many people, you know, let's say go back to the dinosaurs. They want to figure out which dinosaur do most people like or know about or whatever it is. Anything to do with dinosaurs, if they're going to be collecting opinions from people, or it could be that you're measuring rainfall um, and you're collecting data like that, or you've got um, silkworms and you want to see how many of them spin cocoons from, the, you know, count how many eggs you originally have. I'm not sure if you can count them, they're so tiny, but then see how many eventually actually spin cocoons. Whatever type of data you're collecting, you can use Google Sheets and Google Forms. So if you're sending out a survey to be filled in, a Google Form is great. So your kid can learn how to create a Google Form. And then when you get it back, it actually, you it comes back and you can access the data in the Google Spreadsheet at the same time. 
and so you can show them how to do that. Otherwise, I said, you know, if it's like you're measuring how high a plant is growing, um, you know, anything like that, you know, even if you're just uh, measuring how quickly your puppy grows, <laughs> uh, you can put the data in on a spreadsheet and record it. And then once you have all that data, obviously you can you can change it into a graph. So you've got your visual representation. And again, within Google Sheets or other spreadsheets, there is the capability of taking data and turning it into graphs. So you can show your children how to do that. You can get them to take photos. So whether you're wandering around some fossil dig and taking pictures of, of um, fossils that you're finding, maybe they won't find dinosaur bones, but at least some fossils, whether you are taking pictures of the plant as it's growing, the puppy as it's growing, or whatever it is, if there's something that you can be taking photos, you can teach your kid to take photos and how to store them and how to retrieve them again. And coming to that storage and retrieving, another big thing you can teach them is how to keep organized online. I like using Evernote. You've got the little clipper where you can just, um, you find something online, you can just clip it and pop it all into Evernote. OneNote is another uh, one like this too. Um, Evernote is all online and free. And that way you can easily keep everything organized. I've got a whole episode on Evernote, possibly more than one, so I don't want to go into detail now. There are also other tools that you can use. Um, even Padlet is nice to organize things on. There's Wakelet. So anything like that where you can clip and store or type up notes and keep them. I mean, you could even just use a Google Doc and try and keep it organized. It's not as easy, but even that would work. Okay, so let's say you've now collected data. They've researched, they've made notes, made sure they haven't plagiarized. Please teach them not to plagiarize. I've got episodes on that. So that when they get to my classes eventually or other people's classes, you won't have them plagiarizing. It's still a huge problem in our online classes. But now they've got everything. Here are some ideas for projects they can turn it into. And the great thing about a digital project, a, a digital form of a project, is that it is easy to store and easy to share. Easy to store. Well, I was still in the days where my children used to do a lot of things by hand and you end up having art. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have these two, but you know what it's like just having so many pieces of paper and what to do with everything. And eventually you quietly start to throw things away. Now, digitally, it's a whole lot easier to keep a lot of it. Um, it's also easier to share it. Now, obviously, you can take pictures of that beautiful drawing your child has done and send it to grannies and grandpas. But digitally, you just hit send. You can share it on your Facebook group. You're welcome to come and share things your children have done in the Homeschooling with Technology podcast community. I would love to see things that they have done based on something that you have heard in this podcast. The link to that will also be in the show notes, which will say is just down below. Just scroll down for it or go to homeschoolingwithtechnology.com. So here's some ideas for, for digital projects. First of all, video. Lots of different types of video too. Everything from stop motion animation, you know, watching a plant grow or your puppy grow, that could be great to turn into stop motion animation. You can create animations with something like Powtoon. Um, My Simple Show is one where you type things up and it automatically just puts in pictures for you and then you can go and change them up too. So that's another fun one to use. Um, Powtoon is the animated one. You could actually get your children, if they're old enough to do this, to go out and film. They could just 
take a camera and take video footage and then turn it together into a little documentary. So that could be, you know, maybe you, maybe it's just part of the project or maybe it's the whole project. They go and research and know what they're looking for and then go and film it all. They could make a slideshow and when you make a slideshow, you can save it as an MP4, which is a video file. And so it will actually play like a video, although it is just a slideshow. So it will just kind of, you know, keep moving from one slide to another. And obviously you could just have a, a very simple one where they're talking. Another one you can do is, um, you know, if their passion is something about tech, maybe it's an online game. Uh, and you want to show other people how to play it, then they could do a screencast. And these things like Screencastify, which is free. Loom allows you a certain amount. I think it's like five minutes free or five videos, but it's a nice, easy, free one to use as well. So, so many different versions of videos that you could use to make a really fun project. The next thing you could do is create a choose your own adventure. Now, I like to use these in many of my online classes that I teach. And Essentially, once students have gone away and done the research uh, like in history, they have to do one on Native American tribes, they then turn it into a choose your own adventure. You know, you get start off, you're told you're standing at uh, a fork in a forest. To the left, you hear sounds of a gurgling brook and to the right, you hear drum beats. Which way do you want to go? And then you choose. It's really easy to use Google Slides to do it. There are also other tools. I have a whole episode on that if you want to listen in. Um, but that is something that's not really hard to do. You have to plot it all out. But you can take all that knowledge of dinosaurs or plants or weather or anything and turn it into an adventure game. And those are really fun to share because everybody wants to play and see what's going to happen to them. Then you could use a digital poster or an infographic, and this even younger children can do. Canva is really easy to use and would be my place of choice to go to. And, you know, you can just show your children how to drag things around and put them together. Uh, you can perhaps type the words up for them if they can't type yet, and they could make a poster about whatever it is. And of course, here you can integrate the photos that you may have taken. You could integrate a graph. Um, into that obviously you could also use them in a video and choose your own adventure but you could incorporate all those things into it then uh, if you've got for instance a high schooler you could turn it into a podcast so if they become passionate about world war ii german submarines um, maybe they want to do a whole podcast on that and they could talk about different stories about how they were made whatever it is you know where you can still find them today and they could just make a, you know, it could just be a couple of episodes, 10 minutes each. Um, there are free podcast players so that it's not even something that you have to spend any money for. And you just use free software to record like I do. Um, I'm on an Apple and I'm using GarageBand and um, I'm on a Mac. And so, you know, you can just do that. They can record on their phones and then upload. So that's another, another option. Obviously, a website. Again, Canva creates websites, and I have an episode about different website builders that are free. I could make a one-page or multi-page website. They could write a digital book. Now, this doesn't have to be a huge, big book, so don't think, oh, my kid would never write a book. I use Story Jumper again, in a few of my classes, and they have to make, um, it's my high schoolers. Actually, I use it for my middle, one of my middle school classes too, but the high schoolers have to make a book for um a five to eight year old and tell teach them about I think in, I know my one class my geography class it's they pick a country in eastern Asia 
and they have to teach a five to eight year old about this country in an engaging way. So it's like you're using pictures and just a few words on the page. And so this is ideal, even for younger children, you might have to sit obviously with them and help them a bit, but it's not hard to make a digital book and then you just share out the link. And then finally, they could create a game. Now, there are different ways to creating digital games. Flippity, which again, I have a whole episode on, has um, a number of different games, just like Hangman, but it also has an online board game. And that would be ideal to take a whole lot of knowledge your child has and turn it into a board game. And another way you could do it is by using the Scratch programming language. Scratch is easy to learn. Um, I teach a class in there too, if you're interested in your children signing up for it. But they can learn just the basics by themselves. It's all free. It's all online. And they could easily make some kind of an interactive story that teaches about the topic that they're learning about. So, you know, dinosaurs, you could have some, you could have a teacher teaching about dinosaurs and telling all kinds of things, or you could have some dinosaurs on screen and talking and walking around. And then you move to the next scene and there's somebody else talking, etc. It's really not hard to do at all. And uh, your children will have a blast. And so will everybody they send it to. You will impress grandparents and uncles and aunts. But it's also something that, you know, especially if it's in a game format, they're going to be able to send their friends as well. And it'll be an educational game. So I hope that these have given you a few ideas on what you can do to take a passion project and turn it into a cool tech project that can be shared. If you found this interesting and useful, please share it on your social media. Please tell friends about our podcast. And most of all, I would just love a rating and review. Ratings are easy. You just have to go and click some stars on whichever podcast player you're using. A review takes a few more minutes, but it means a lot because it really does. The algorithm then pushes the ones that have been reviewed higher to the top and more people will hear it. And it'll encourage me to keep on going. So please just spend a minute today and go and do a rating or review. That's all for it today. I hope I see you in our Facebook group, the Homeschooling with Technology podcast community. And I will see you here again next week, same time, same place. Thanks for tuning in to Homeschooling with Technology with Meryl Vandermerva. Visit her at fundafundaacademy.com and homeschoolingwithtechnology.com. Homeschooling with Technology is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.